Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Rubbish Talk with myself, Alistair Meldrum. And myself, Jane Bond. And today we're excited to tell you we have a young lady called Laura Young, who I've probably seen in the TV more recently than I've, I've, I've seen any other contacts I've got. And Laura is an environmental campaigner and one of her big campaigns at the moment is disposable vapes. So I know we've talked lots about disposable vapes. So we're going to have a whole hour about (laughs) disposable vapes for everybody. But it was really interesting talking to Laura and we'll get get on to that later on. But first, as usual, a little bit of a roundup uh, of news items we've spotted uh, recently. One of the the ones I spotted uh, was the, there was a bit of I think probably criticism of of the Scottish government about their plan for the the sustainable air fuel. So this is weight. This is fuel for aircrafts that's made from residual waste. And myself and Jane were talking about this earlier. And we actually don't know, don't understand the process that that, that makes that. So if there is anybody out there that understands it, and I think we do actually. I think a gentleman called Simon Glenn maybe knows how this is done. It'd be really good to get a wee bit of information about how, how it's actually physically possible. Uh, I know I'm, I am aware of some of the aircraft companies using uh, cooking cooking oil, uh, making a fuel from cooking oil uh, that they're currently using. But I'd love to know how it's done with uh, with residual waste. But I think the the going back to the Scottish government uh, criticism was really it's the the. So Scotland's made a commitment to try and use sustainable air fuel, but it's really the amount of residual waste that's required to make the amount of fuel uh, that's required in Scotland. And the two things are a bit out of sync. There's probably not sufficient uh, amount of residual waste out there to make it happen. Uh, so as always, with all these things, we'll put a couple of links up in the, on, on the show notes if anybody is interested. Or if anybody knows more than we do, then quite happy to 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 learn all about it and going from flying planes to much more uh, environmentally friendly Jane. Yeah well I wanted to talk about the cycling event in Glasgow the, the UCI must have been people must have seen or oh, the world champion cycling event if not um, seen it being um, subjected to all uh, road closures or whatever but I don't know I think it just showed Glasgow in such a brilliant light um, not, some... not not just Glasgow. Remember, we had Fort oh, William, we oh, had down sorry, in, in the borders, and all all over the country. Absolutely. Well, I, do you know I was at a cycling event on um, Saturday morning, and we went out cycling in the rain with some of the crew from Specialised who do the bikes. And one of the girls was um, from Stirling, and she said it's just amazing. They were cycling all along her local routes, and she said that just looked, you know, and the sun was shining. <laughs> <laughs> and all the pictures look really good but back to waste I was at the BMX um finals on Sunday and I tell you it's absolutely amazing never seen anything like it all my life but what I found was apart from the fact that everybody's friendly people have come from all over the place is that I think there was no waste drops there was no you know the people were using the bins even looking around Glasgow you know everything seemed to be clean and tidy the the, the Council must have done a really good job to clean everything up. Um, 
And there was something I think that caught our eye a little bit, wasn't there, Alistair, about um, the fact that they were being given, all the, all the volunteers had a nice little pack, so all wearing their nice little blue outfits with little on the side. There are other, other shops, but obviously that was um, supporting the, um, the the race thing. But what they would, they'd been, they were banned from um, using their aluminium bottles as part of their welcome pack, so they didn't so they wouldn't refill these aluminium bottles not entirely sure why it says something about a security risk um or whether it was like you know people instead of gluing themselves to the floor were going to throw these aluminium bottles in front of the cyclists i've no idea but anyway they were allowed to use plastic bottles um but yeah that was quite uh, it seems it seems a shame they've gone to the effort yeah. of giving a volunteer a reusable refillable bottle and then for security reasons they weren't allowed to use the damn things which uh yeah fascinating I, I was i came through glasgow again at the weekend there and the women's cycling race on and it was really good atmosphere um, and it's quite an interesting concept that they've you know the cycling association have pulled all these different events into the one event i think it's quite is quite a sort of exciting sort of format and i think if anything the one thing i would say is it, it seemed to arrive without much publicity so i think over the last couple of weeks people have suddenly realized there's a big event on in scotland but up to then it was like nobody, nobody really knew about it which in a way seems a bit of a shame but never mind anyway the next one i spotted was an article about airbnb for your garden so this was to do so somebody set up a, 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 a like a matching service so if you live in a tenement for example and you would like a garden uh, then and or vice versa you've got a garden that you don't use you would like something to use it uh, and then you can you can sort of share out your your your, your garden space I, I just quite liked the the concept that it was a an airbnb for your garden uh, and again as always with, with you know, we'll we'll share the we'll share the link up in the website if anybody's interested. Do you think that could be like a, a cost-effective way of getting your garden sorted? Do you think? Well, I did did, <laughs> did, did cross my mind. Did my, mow my lawn? Do you think? <laughs> my garden probably doesn't it get quite the amount of attention it should. So I, I, I should maybe test out the theory. <laughs> yeah, I'll rent out my garden as long as you'll mow the lawn. Yeah. Um, but you you just you just sort of seed in my head. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> register. I'm gonna register. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, and the final one we've got Conway County Borough Council to find households who don't recycle. So this is quite interesting because what they're saying we've we've given them all this support. We're going to go into people's homes, show them how to sort their rubbish, um, and then if they still don't do it, they're going to issue them with a fixed penalty note of a hundred pounds. So I think that might be quite interesting to see how that how they monitor that how many people are going to pay it so yeah we'll keep an eye on that one it will be an interesting one won't it was this uh, you know the usual da daily mail headlines will be public giving a hard time but the reality is the public should be recycling they should be doing it to the best ability and there's lots of people out there that don't bother so why should they pull down the rest of the community so yeah yeah inter interesting to see how they go on that is us for news for the week actually of the fortnight the only other thing is we update in our podcast listeners we have a big increase in 23 to 27 year olds uh, and we also have a big increase in 35 to 44 year olds 
well done to the younger generation for getting involved and engaged. So if you are listening and you're in these stage groups, please share as you hopefully are with your friends and your pals. So with nothing else from ourselves, we're going to pass over to a, a really interesting chat with, with, with Laura Young, who is is very young, uh, but she's packed a lot into her, her, her short career already, and 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 she's well, very committed and 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 well spoken about the campaign she's got on the go uh, about disposable vapes, and we will also put the link to her campaign about banning. Uh, are calling for a ban uh, for disposable vapes. So that's it from us. Over to Laura Young. Hi, Laura. Nice to meet you again. We're going to ask you a number of questions, but most of it is all about you, really, and how you've got to where you've got to and what you've done and what are your sort of concerns. And and we know you're a, an environmental campaigner, so it'd be good to hear your campaigns, what you're, what you're passionate about. So initially it's can you tell us something about what you do and your background that you've you know that you've been doing to get to where you are at the moment and a bit about your role would be fantastic yeah oh it's great to be on thank you so much very excited um to be on the podcast i guess i spend my time doing two things primarily the first thing is my sort of day job which is i'm a phd researcher um, based up in Dundee, if anyone listening is from Dundee. And there's two universities here, the University of Aberdeen and the University of Dundee, and I'm supervised with both. And that's looking at how we involve communities when we are changing the places and spaces we live to make us more climate resilient, looking at things like nature-based solutions and blue-green infrastructure. And so I've been doing that for the past almost year. And alongside that, I'm a campaigner. I'm an environmental campaigner. So Back in 2018, I started talking about environmental issues online. I've got a background in environmental science and geography, and I decided to start speaking about stuff. You know, I think everybody watched Blue Planet and thought, eek, let's all try and play our part to, to make a difference. Um, and so I started on a bit of a journey looking at, you know, what can we do as individuals? But over time, that has sort of developed into large platforms online where I talk about everything from plastic and waste. So, you know, here in Scotland, that's recently been talking about deposit return schemes or bans on single use plastics or whatever might be in the news, all the way through to lots of different issues around climate change. And so I kind of campaign at different times on different important issues. But the big one that I am working on just now is all around the issue of disposable vapes. So that's these throwaway electronics that have flooded into our shops and into our markets. And I'm doing campaigning around getting those banned, hopefully, um, not just here in Scotland. Hopefully it will be across the UK. Um, and I've been working on that since October 2022. So still not a year um, from the day that we're, we're recording this, but there's been loads of progress since then. That's quite interesting. We, we've we've had um, two things because we had uh, Charlie Devine on the, the last time, and he was he's from Dundee, um, the, at the Energy from Waste in Dundee, and he was saying how how Dundee has changed so much, and you know in terms of the climate change stuff that you're doing, that's quite a you know quite quite links into that quite well and quite nicely, um, and then he was also we had Scott Butler 
um, a few a few weeks or about a month ago or whatever, talking about vapes as well. So it kind of, you know, it all links in, doesn't it, Alistair? We're all kind of like, you know, you would you would think this was planned. We have we have we have mentioned vapes a few times in this podcast, Laura, as 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 as, as I'm sure you know. What one of the interesting things, one of the, the next question we normally ask is what brought you into the world of waste management. But I think. It, if I'm being honest, you've probably got an honorary position in waste management because you're, you you do have a, a a normal day job. And I think, particularly a couple of weeks ago, you could hardly turn on national news without seeing you pop up to 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 talk about vapes. So uh, it's 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 really interesting in, in terms of what you've actually managed to do in you know a, a a pretty short space of time. But I think I could imagine it's quite frustrating as well that. You know, you can see this big, huge issue, but there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of action going on at the moment. Yeah. And I mean, I see it's funny because a lot of people ask me, you know, do you work in the waste industry? Because I exist online as Less Waste Laura. That's how I started very much as a sort of individual trying to reduce my waste. And, you know, people often ask me and, you know, I don't I don't work at a recycling facility. I don't work for a waste management company, but I've got all of this extensive knowledge about the waste industry. But I think the one perspective I think I bring, which is quite valuable, if I can be humble for a moment, is actually that I am just a regular person. And so when a lot of things, whether it's the deposit return scheme or complex you know, electrical recycling systems or whatever it might be, when waste experts talk about it, they sometimes forget that actually the general public has no idea what what they're on about and is just trying to do the right thing and they're just at home looking at their selection of bins going okay but where do I put this what do I do and so I think sometimes I'm just trying to be that voice of you know but how does this work in reality you know it's great to have the theories of waste management but let's always remember like the person who ultimately is going to be holding this product at the end of its life cycle and, and where do they put it but you know it is it's hard so you know the campaign around disposable vapes um it, it came about actually because I was finding them as litter. Like that's how it all started. And, you know, to finding them as litter in October 2022 to now, we've obviously discovered a whole host of things that's wrong with them. It's not just that they get littered occasionally. It's the waste, the waste of the precious resources. It's the fire risk. It's the complications and recycling. It's all of that stuff. But the thing that's really shocked me is, oh, my goodness, getting any change is so slow. Um, you know, you can't just go to your MP or go to your councillor about an issue and it gets solved in a week or a couple of weeks, especially when you're trying to do something of this scale. You know, actually, you need consultations, you need reports, you need time for everyone to, to wrap their heads around it. Um, and I think that can sometimes be quite frustrating when, you know, as soon as people know about the problem, they go, oh, absolutely, I'm on board. This is a disaster. Let's let's do something. But it's about the time that it takes to bring people along and you know, right now we're sort of sitting in this, I feel it's a bit of limbo, you know, both the Scottish government and the UK government have got loads of information in their hands, they've got reports, they've got, they've had calls for evidence on the environmental and the sort of younger youth vaping side, which is a whole other public health issue, but we're sort of in this limbo where we're sort of waiting for some sort of decision to be made. And it, it can feel quite perilous because, you know, none of that is in my hands or, or in the campaigns of, you know, a lot of us who, who work in this industry even. And so, yeah, it can feel quite frustrating at times when it feels like such a simple issue. 
Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like turning a massive tanker, isn't it? You kind of hope that at some point it is actually going to turn slightly. And that we will, it's like you say, you kind of think, yeah, it's simple. Stop it, you know, but... But then there's so much it's, discussion. It's, easy, it's easier said than done, too, isn't it? I, yeah. I think the one the one thing that surprises me about it all is is how it's grown to such a massive, you know, millions and millions of these things in the marketplace, and and the the sort of public agencies that should be sort of looking ahead at the big issues, don't didn't seem to be that aware that this was you know slightly more important than banning plastic cotton buds or. or plastic spoons you know the the, the impact the environment impact of them is is is, is a huge and i was interested what you were saying there a lot about you know communicating with the wider public i think a lot of the reason for this podcast was just to try and do that because i've often been frustrated that the the waste sector is good at talking to the waste sector and we and we talk to people that understand it and we're not very good at communicating you know what the issues are you know why you shouldn't put putting a battery in your bin why you should recycling your electricals why you should be doing all these things and why that's that's uh, that's so important uh so I, I was i was going to ask you if you meant to end up in the waste industry but <laughs> i think you probably <laughs> probably answered that one i know i mean i mean no i mean i don't think i ever you know saw myself really <clears throat> stepping into this but ultimately i think it's something you know everyone's passionate about seeing you know cleaner streets nobody likes litter nobody wants to feel that also nobody just likes taking their bin out so I think anytime people hear oh I want to reduce my waste you know that can be a positive thing um but I think it's just one of these spaces I feel quite passionate about you know it's something I'm really interested in um but I think it's because it also crosses with a lot of other spaces you know often when people think about waste or recycling, they think of like a physical item that's either going to go to landfill or go to incineration, energy from waste, you know, sort of plant, and then we forget about it. But we forget that actually behind a lot of our waste is also, you know, emissions, production, manufacturing, it links with climate change. And so I think the reason I also like talking about waste is because I like to, you know, bring together the fact that our waste is representative of what we buy, it's representative of our consumption, our consumption's related to climate you know i think i like to remind people that all of this is actually pulled together um and i love talking about the other end of it as well which is you know when we're talking about reducing waste we're not just talking about buy these items instead of these and you'll reduce your waste it's also talking about how can we get that circular economy how can we support small businesses that are doing repair shops or you know um, kind of tailoring and seamstress and like how can we you know also kind of fuel this economy that's a lot more sustainable that comes from waste. And I think I love having those conversations together so that people can connect those dots and realise that it's important and think about it. But no, I don't think it was ever an industry that I thought I would be stepping my toe into um, or doing so much, you know, campaigning around. It's quite, because it kind of does link in then with all your PhD work as well, doesn't it? Because that, you know, the climate change and the one of the things you kind of said there was the blue-green infrastructure. Is there something you can explain that? Because that's one thing that I've heard and I kind of know a little bit about, but, you know, it'd be quite interesting to hear your sort of take on what that actually means. Yeah, so, I mean, especially when you think about urban settings, so any sort of reasonable-sized village or town or, you know, city centre, when you look around, the majority of what you're looking at is grey. 
So it's, you know, buildings, it's homes, it's, it's great infrastructure. Um, and what we know is that when we take land, so whether it's a forest or just a patch of grass, and we build on it, we're changing the surface of that area. And that's going to change the way that it works. And so, you know, if you were to have a massive rain shower on a forest, that would have a bigger, um, that would have a lot of different impacts if you have a big rain shower over a concrete pavement or a car park. So what we've been noticing um, for the past, you know, decades really, is that while we've been changing the places that we live, we've been seeing impacts like localised flooding. We've obviously been needing to create drainage systems. Um, we've maybe even in some city centres been having something called like an urban heat effect where it's really, really hot in the city centre because it's just full of concrete. So we know that we need to be working better with nature when we're creating our urban spaces. That's both new ones and the ones that already exist. So blue-green infrastructure is, in my head, I think about it as the opposite of grey. So if you look at a concrete building, it's not just an Aberdeen. If you look at any building, it's grey infrastructure. But if you look at um, urban you know, parks, green spaces, um, water features, it can be a river, a loch, or it can be a sort of kind of created man-made water space. These um, can offer really good benefits. They can help with localised flooding. They can help cool down, provide more shade. Also, it's good for things like biodiversity. Um, and it helps us become more resilient. So, you know, in Scotland, we're seeing a lot more flooding. We're seeing warmer periods. So we need to be creating places that we live that can be more resilient to climate change. But the important thing is we're never going to be climate resilient unless communities are resilient as well. And so we need to make sure that communities are part of the conversation when doing this. We need communities to understand, you know, the risks of where they live. They might live somewhere that's flood prone or they might live somewhere that is, is going to be getting a lot of heat or they might be getting somewhere that's going to have drought. Um, and we want communities to understand uh, the changes that they can make. But also, if we are going to radically change some of the places that we live, put in new parks, put in new cycle paths, whatever it might be, we need to make sure the communities know how to get their voices heard in that consultation. Traditionally, consultations go out and it might get a handful of people. And, you know, that's not really a community consultation. So how can we do that a lot better so that we don't put in some infrastructure that could have been, you know, it might be pretty rubbish and it could have been amazing if we just got the voices in. And I mean, I think that relates to a lot of the work that I do. It's about, you know, anything that we're trying to do, whether it's changing green spaces in urban places or, you know, putting in blue green infrastructure, these nature based solutions, or whether it's changes to curbside recycling, no matter what it is. If you don't bring people along with you, it's going to create confusion and it's going to create things that might just end up being um, unsuccessful because if people don't understand it. It's going to go wrong. It's going to go a bit wonky. And then it'll be a bit of a failure. And so I think I'm really passionate about making sure that everyday people understand, you know, how to um, live in a way that is a bit more sustainable, but also be a part of all the changes that we're doing. Um, and I think that that kind of ties in a lot to the campaigning work that I do. I think a lot, <clears throat> sorry, a lot of people think they can't influence things or can't help things. I think a lot of people feel a bit lack of power that you know what if they do an improvement that won't make a big difference but i think the reality is if everybody did a little bit you know yeah. everybody cycled a bit or walked a bit instead of driving uh, you know all these things is, it certainly add up it was interesting you mentioned you mentioned sort of drainage schemes i, I was walking through the 
I'd been away for I've been off for a week or so, and I was I walked around the golf course yesterday. I quite often do, and there's big signs up like construction barriers. And I, was, oh, I wonder what this is. And I sort of went walked to the top of the hill and looked over the fence, and they've built a big looks like a big settlement pond thing and some drainage yeah. work, and it, it'd be really nice actually. It was previously to the river there. Uh, and another thing I was going to mention, I was walking into work this morning along Air Beach and there must have been, oh, I don't know how many South Ayrshire Council employees clearing up all the verges. We get quite a lot of sand gets blown up onto the beach, onto the pavements and stuff. So quite often there's weeds growing along, so they're clearing it all up. And I was thinking, what on earth are they doing? I've not seen I've not seen that concerted an effort to clean up before. But then I, I remembered we've got the, the air show is coming to air. <laughs> Uh, at the beginning of September, so I think this was the the corporate cleanup, so that air air is sparkling for all the visitors. So, uh, but it just shows you what got me was the 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 amount of there's probably I don't know ten ten staff, few tractors, diggers, you know, it's a pretty big operation, a pretty pretty big cost, and that's a part of that is because we're not sort of spending going back to we had George Niblock on 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 the podcast previous about you know litter management and street cleansing and how it's important it is to just it's one of these jobs that if you keep on top of it, it it's less of a big job whereas in this case South Asia is probably not kept on top of it and they're having to do you know a pretty big operation to get it to get it cleaned up so yeah great so uh, you're 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 pretty young laura and you've only been a few years in the in the working world and so any any favorite roles or projects you've you, you, you've done or are you you finding everything interesting at the moment yeah i mean i find i find everything really interesting uh, one of the kind of first jobs that i did out of uni was working for tier fund which is like an international um organization and they do a lot around poverty alleviation um, but one of the big things they were doing was campaigning around plastics and, you know, talking about the fact that globally plastic has a huge impact on people. And so, you know, we're really lucky here that you can chuck your waste outside your door into the bin and it'll get collected and suddenly it's not your problem anymore. The, um, the magic but, bin fairy, I call it. Exactly. The bin fairies are amazing. But, you know, globally, that's 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 not what's happening. So I found it really interesting to kind of um, do campaigning actually as part of that around you know the big plastic producers you know looking at globally who makes the most plastic you know some of the big organizations the coca-colas and the unilevers of the world and, and kind of looking at what they're doing overseas it was it was really interesting but I think also as part of that role I got to go to COP26 in Glasgow and I think that was I think for me personally, being from Glasgow meant a lot because I was living in Glasgow at the time and that's where I'm from, it's where I grew up. So it was amazing to see the world sort of landing on my doorstep to be talking about something I'm really passionate about. But it was also a really insightful thing. You know, it was basically every world, um, every country in the world represented to discuss climate change at this huge summit um, in a place that I've you know as a kid went to concerts in and so you know it was it was really interesting but I think it was also good to get that perspective because I am a really big believer that locally is where we're going to get a lot of our solutions and a lot of our actions from but it's also important to sort of see globally what's the influence and, and what are the policies and the practices that, that need to come out of these big summits and what impact does that have and so I think being at COP26 being uh, one of the observers and, and doing a lot of work around that was was amazing and it also meant that in the run-up to it and after we had a lot of ammunition for Scottish-based projects to say look 
either this thing is coming or this thing has just been you know we need to get our act together we need to be looking at you know the businesses that that operate in Scotland we need to be looking at local you know solutions and and it gave us a lot of fuel to really kind of push that forward which was great yeah it was quite an amazing thing wasn't it with everybody coming together mm. and you just hope that it's not just a big talking shop and that yeah. things actually come out of it but that means being cynical Laura I think. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of talked about your current role um you know the campaigning for the vapes and campaign you know your PhD um and I guess your truck what what is the ultimate aim you, you, you know what are you trying to achieve eventually I mean what's the, what's the end end point for you what do you feel is the end point or is there no end point you just kind of like keep going because yeah. you know you finish one thing and there's on to the next I think that's true and you know for me the vape stuff's really interesting because up until when disposable vapes took over you know I was always kind of championing discussing different issues for you know how we can be better with waste and recycling but when vapes came along I think the reason it took off is because nobody was talking about it you know there was no organizations talking about disposable vapes or the waste there was no really no research there was kind of nothing happening so I think the reason it's taken such a big chunk of my time is because me alongside all the other kind of groups that came together you know we were the first to kind of put it on the table and say what what's happening but I think for me the reason I say there's sort of no end point is because number one I think the vaping industry is going to be really clever and it's going to kind of get their way probably around any regulations that come in place. I think we'll always be trying to chase them to make them a sustainable industry. But I also think that up until now, rightly so, the conversation has all been around disposable vapes. And that's because disposable vapes are this new disposable throwaway electronic device that's just kind of come out of nowhere. And if I was to ask you to name even five other throwaway electronic devices I think we would all really struggle because most of the electronics that we use our phones our laptops our toasters our kettles they last years you know these are not things that you throw away so I think what I'm thinking about is okay but what's next what is the next disposable electronic that's gonna come onto the scene and how can we through disposable vapes put in some really good regulations to make sure that we don't just have the same problem. Like even, um, you know, I was, cause I've been trying to think this, I'm, try, I'm trying to think all the time, like what is the next disposable electronic? I don't think any of us could have seen vapes coming in this form. And so, you know, I, I did the Edinburgh half marathon and I thought maybe it's disposable running trackers that people wear for one race and then throw away. I also saw a picture um, a couple of weeks ago on Twitter and it was like, you know, you get these rechargeable power banks that you, you know, plug in, you take it about. But actually it was one that you buy in a little packet from, you know, a convenience shop and it's basically got one charge in it and then you throw it away. And I thought actually disposable electronics are, are coming. They're sort of slowly entering into, you know, our, our regular habits. And so... I think I hope that there will one day be a very clear cut decision made on disposable vapes. And that, I guess, would be maybe an end point to that campaign or that kind of conversation. But I do also think that there is always going to be, especially when, let's be honest, companies want profit and what's profitable, disposability and throwaway culture, because it means people buy things again and again and again. 
I do think that we're constantly going to be chasing after companies that are creating stuff that, that is really unsustainable. And so I think that's what I'm hoping to do, though, is slowly shift the conversation from, you know, disposable vapes specifically to let's actually have a conversation about disposable electronics. Because even though we do have electronic recycling, so we recycling in the UK, it's not set up for disposable electronics. That's not what it was designed for. That's not what it was set up for. And that's also a really inappropriate use of we recycling. And so I think that's why I have a feeling there might not be a, an end date to this, but it will hopefully open up a conversation, um, a, a wider one. The one yeah, the it's one interesting. Asked, sorry, Jane. The one I see, Laura, coming as a huge issue is, you know, we're, we're spending, there's companies out there spending massive amount of money looking at more efficient batteries better batteries and everything you've got is a battery a rechargeable this a rechargeable yeah. that the actual infrastructure for recycling and recovering proper recovery of batteries is woeful and, and that's yeah. not just in the uk that's worldwide so you're looking at you know there's companies in the uk and they have to export batteries to japan to get them recycled and yeah. that's just you know it's you know, so we, we spend a vast amount of money developing the, the products, you know, the Tesla cars and the fancy batteries, but no money at all in actually putting an infrastructure in place for all these batteries that are going to come onto the market. Uh, so it's it a huge, and I th- huge issue. I think, we're, I think we're also seeing a trend of people making smart homes, you know, everything. Like I went to someone's house and they had salt and pepper shakers that you pushed a button and it ground it for you and it was like it had batteries in it and I thought <laughs> if there's anything that we don't need it's batteries inside salt and pepper grinders but actually I think there is this techie home smart home solution you can turn on everything from your phone and everything's got a battery or everything's plugged in and I think that's really unnecessary you know if I'm honest and I but I think that is exactly what you're speaking to you know we're creating these products that are shiny and new and we don't really think about either when the trend's over and you're going to chuck it away or donate it, what actually happens to it. But, you know, also just what what is the impact, you know, of continually having things that are, you know, using power and using electricity and the batteries. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, we've had like rechargeable batteries, but they're so expensive. And so, yeah, people do just like use use stuff without really thinking about where it came from or unfortunately where it's going to end up and, and what happens to that. I can't believe there's salt and pepper yeah. things that you just press a button. How lazy is that? I know. <laughs> that that exercise of like grinding the pepper, yeah. you know, I'm sure there must be a little bit of exercise in that. In that kind of yeah. Okay. Anyway, I don't know. So in terms of if I had one of those, it would totally go wrong within about five minutes. Anything that I pick up that's kind of electronic, it just seems to just, anyway, never mind. In terms of your sort of, obviously with all your campaigning and all that sort of stuff and your focus on the environment, it obviously um, it changes your work, your home life as well. And I guess you've got, I'm, I'm just imagining your, all your recycling bins and stuff and how what about your friends i mean are are they all campaigners like yourself or are you going in there going right what have you got let me see if i can um make you more sustainable what's your sort of thing in the in the the home place oh i mean it's funny because this happens 
really really often I'll go over to like friends or family and you know before I come in they go just before you come in I've just got to say it and they'll start spilling out confessing sort of like yeah confess <laughs> just when you come in you're gonna see this and you're gonna see this and like I ran out of time and I'm always like what do people what's the <laughs> what's the view and you know someone once said to me you should do a sort of remember Kim and Aggie and they used to go to people's houses and just you know berate them for living in filth they were like you should do that but with plastic I mean I hope I don't actually do that but you know it's interesting because um especially when I when I moved to Edinburgh to do my master's it was the sort of first time I'd moved after kind of becoming an environmental campaigner so the people I'd been living with had lived with me for years when I was doing my undergrad and when I moved to Edinburgh I moved in with like a, a new friend and I thought she doesn't really know much about me we only kind of met through mutual friends and I thought I also don't think she knows that I'm like really passionate about this stuff but I don't want to you know come off too strong and so you know we both sort of moved in and it was one of those you know you would go into the bathroom and there would be a plastic toothbrush and a bamboo toothbrush or you would you know go and I would be buying these kind of you know reusable or eco-friendly things and it would be alongside the things that she'd bought and it was funny because over time I sort of noticed her habits slowly changing just because she was maybe seeing or learning about the new products but not in a way that I said, I want to sit you down and tell you all the things that you need to stop buying and you need to do this. But actually, it was kind of over time. Um, and I think partly that's about it. You know, it's you don't know what you don't know. And so until someone talks to you about, you know, various different things and, um, you know, so sometimes my friends will come to me and say, hey, I've got a question. Do you use shampoo bars? I, I You know, would you recommend any? Or it might be someone saying, do you know what bin I put this in? And, you know, I can have a conversation about it. Um, and sometimes it's bigger things like, you know, one of the things I'm quite passionate about is reusable periods products and the amount of not just waste we can save, but money you can save. And um, when I was at uni, I played sports and our whole sports team decided that we were all going to go on a journey to try and, you know, find something that worked for us. Um, but I think a lot of it is about education. And I think that's what I've realised is, you know, people just don't know and also, you know, get a bit confused. And so like my boyfriend's family are the kind of perfect example that when I sort of came on the scene, I would slowly start seeing sustainable things existing in the house that they were obviously trying to show off. But, you know, one of the things that they said was they, so they, they didn't have a bin in their house. They had like a plastic bag on the back of a door handle. And so I'd be walking about going, where do I put my tea bag? Where do I put this? Where do I put that? And they just like, I'll just chuck it in the bag. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to have a rant about recycling, but you know what's happening. But actually, it was just because they just and they're very smart people, very smart people. They were just like, we just don't know. It's just confusing. And so slowly, you know, I was saying to them, well, you know, this is a few things, a few ways you can work out where to put it. Um, my boyfriend's original phrase was, I mean, it looks recycling. So does it just go into recycling? I said, looks recycling. OK, right, we'll work on that. Um, but, you know, slowly and, and and even just little things like they didn't have a food waste bin. And it's because the council had just accidentally missed them out when they were doing the big delivery of them years ago. And I sort of said, well, let's sign you up for one online. It'll get delivered. And, you know, I was talking about the importance of, you know, separating food waste and, you know, not just that it's important for climate, but it's important because it means your bin doesn't smell. It means you don't need to put, you know, all these kind of benefits as well. And so I think often it is about having those conversations and it's you know nice now to go to people's homes and see the changes that they've made but often it's just because they didn't know or they weren't sure and you know I completely understand because 
you know, I think a, a bugbear of mine is um, compostables. I don't know if you've spoken about compostables on the podcast or if you have personal we've, views we've, on them. We've not, we've not hugely, Laura. So go on, go on and explain. Because I do, I do, I do know, I do know what you're going to say, but yeah. the listeners would probably like to hear this. Yeah, I mean, my my main problem with compostables is it's still single use. So we're still making stuff to use it once. Like if a you know a compostable coffee cup, we're still making it out of all these materials to have one coffee out of it and throw it away. And also, if people are taking a coffee away and then leaving your shop, they're just going to chuck it into a regular bin. So it's not going to break down in the way that it was designed yeah. to. And so in my head, though, it's just it's just as bad as plastic when you can take your own cup or hopefully sit in and get a China one. But I think, you know, to me, it's really easy because I'm just saying, well, just take your own, just avoid it completely. But for people who aren't in this industry or aren't kind of connected, they have been sold this. Well, it's kind of greenwashing, but, you know, they've been sold this. This is much more sustainable. This is better. And so actually, when I've been speaking to like I speak to my my cafe manager at the university, one of the universities that I go to, and he sort of said, are you joking? I've just bought thousands of units of these because I thought they were better. And you're now kind of talking about, you know, all these issues. And I said, and that's part of the issue is, you know, we are, especially when companies, you know, kind of come on the scene and are wanting to sell a product. And so I think I also understand people's frustrations because he sort of said, well, I may as well just get the plastic ones in. I thought, see, this is what happens, though. Even with regular people, they think, I don't know where this goes, so I may as well just chuck it in the bin. Or my boyfriend's dad went, does it not all just go to China anyway? And I was like, well, I mean, that's the, that is the reality, though. You know, that's what people are hearing on the news. That's And ultimately that's what we're up against and so I think if we don't get it right and don't communicate it well we do end up with just everyday people being either confused or oh well, it's not worth it anyway because I, you know I read a news article that said it you know doesn't even stay here and I think that's important for us to understand that um, but yeah certainly I do get some people <laughs> sort of as soon as I walk through their door confessing to all the plastic that they have in the cupboards but I think they think I'm going to raid them but um Hopefully it's mostly because they're wanting to make changes. They just um, often have questions. I would agree. I think it is all about education, isn't it? You know, because a lot of people just, like you say, just don't know. They don't know what the best thing to do is or what bin to put or whatever. I mean, I always go down to uh, to my mum when I go to my mum's mum's, you know, she's got all her recycling and all this sort of stuff and her food waste and everything. And then she'll say to me, do you think I can put this in the in here? And I'm saying, well, have you had a look at what it says in the um in your council thing about what they take? Oh, it'll be fine if I put it in there. I can yeah. always take it out again. And I'm yeah. thinking, right. Wish, wish, wish cycling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wish cycling. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's hard, you know, the number of yeah. times we've had products and seen things that we are thinking, where on earth does this go? We, you know, yeah. we don't know, and we're in the in 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 the sector. And I think last podcast we talked about. You know, all the different products supermarkets are putting on out there, you know, cardboard tubs that are lined with plastic and they're claiming they're recyclable. And the reality is there's not a processing plant in the UK pulling these things out to recycle them. You know, so they might uh, theoretically be possible to recycle, but the reality is they're not getting recycled. Yeah. And even, you know, the back of the packets of things, you know, it's so confusing. You've got the little circle with the arrows that looks mm. like it can be recycled, but actually that means there's money going to recycling, but don't recycle it. Or it says check local recycling. And do people know how to do that? So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not easy. And, and I mean, that certainly is is one of the bugbears with the vapes. Like to go back to that is um, 
recently there was some photos that sort of did a big circulation on Twitter and LinkedIn online and it was because one of the major brands of disposable vapes have now done this campaign and the campaign is basically you know recycle your vape with absolutely no extra information where do you recycle it do you recycle it at home do you recycle it with plastic bottles do you recycle it where, where do you recycle it where's the information and so I think that represents what happens with a lot of products though it sort of says on the packaging technically this can be recycled but it doesn't really inform you about where is it your area where do you take it back to the shop and I think that's one of the biggest things is confusion and when you look at the packet there's so many symbols on it that you almost think yeah like Jane's mum I'm just gonna chuck this in and hope for the best because that makes me feel a wee bit better um, and hopefully that's the right thing to do when in reality it's probably not. I think the way I think the waste industry has been poor at engaging with these producers to actually say look this is the reality of our system our system could do this this and this but it's not it can't magically pull products out of the waste stream and, yeah. and, and do things with it and, and we've actually been quite poor at, at that in, engagement and they've been allowed to sort of keep putting these different products in the market but that is a big one to try and change big big one to try and change and so all, all you're obviously a, a bit busy you know with your your your, your day job and your all these national TV appearances we, we, we see you on. Uh, how do you get away? How do you relax from the, the, the work? I don't know I do. Um, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, finding balance is difficult because, you know, especially, you know, you sort of, you know, made a joke about the, the media stuff. But actually, it's one of these things that, you know, if you've got journalists every day phoning you up saying, hey, we want to cover this. It's not just about, oh, it'll get me on the TV. You're like, actually, this is a, a great opportunity to talk about this message and, and do this. And often, you know, they don't want someone else. They really want you for the piece. And, and you need to say, if I say no to this, maybe they don't run the piece. You know, maybe that's an opportunity to, to get to a different audience. And so um, I think it's about recognising seasons. So like seasons of business or just, you know, making sure that when you do take time off, it's absolutely time off. So um, I had a work trip to the States a couple of weeks ago. So I was doing some lecturing at a university and then decided to kind of take a holiday at the end of that before coming back. And I said to myself, like, that is actually a holiday. I'm not going to do a single piece of work stuff, you know, and the, the people getting in touch, just get an out of office or just get a, I'm really sorry, but I'm away. And, you know, it might mean that you feel that you're missing out or there might be opportunities you miss, but it's important to have that that time away. Um, and to be honest, I think having, I've got a little dog and he keeps me, you know, I have to take him out. You know, we go on big walks. And I think that is really important to actually get outside and be able to remove myself. But I think um, especially over the years and certainly over the last few months with the campaign, it's also be important to be reaching out to people that can help with a lot of the different bits. And so, you know, there's some great organisations who are part of this kind of vape campaign in particular. And, you know, instead of me having to sit and work out how do I do a press release or how do I round up these people to get a meeting on the go? It's about looking at these organisations to say, right, who's got the skills to do a policy report? Who's got, who can do the press release? Who can do the doodle poll to get the meeting organised? And kind of sifting it out a wee bit and saying, great, okay, then we'll all help chip in at the end. But, you know, it's, it's about that. Um, but I think I've always been busy. Um, I've never just done campaigning on its own. I've always done it basically with a full-time job. And I think that works well. Um, but I think certainly finding balance can be hard, especially when, 
you know you want to do all of the bits you know none of it is is onerous but I think um you know I mean but it but it does pay off in the end and I think that's the important bit I mean one of the things that I did as part of the campaign I don't know if I regret it now but at the time I was basically there was a Friday night and I was really bored this is how bored I was that I just decided to sit and email every single councillor in Scotland about vapes <laughs> so you must have been I, really bored <laughs> I was so bored so I just decided I thought I really want to tell everyone about this but I want to do it in a meaningful way and so I decided to go and some of the websites make it really easy for you to get their their yeah. email others absolutely not yeah. but I basically decided to sit and, and do it and for every single local authority or every council I also made it relevant I said you know here's the issue but also I've found this local letter picking group that's finding them or this school seems to have and I made it you know it was amazing that's how bored I was and it was amazing because now as of I think we've got one more council to discuss it but up until this point we've had 31 councils discuss this at meeting put forward motions like it's been amazing to see that you can actually get every single council in Scotland to discuss something if you put the work in but one of the things that also happened was I had all these councillors wanting meetings. And when you suddenly have <laughs> hundreds of councillors wanting an hour of your time, you know, it can be quite a lot. But I think for me, one, I've learned maybe just go through COSLA, that might be quicker. But in <laughs> second, you know, actually, I've been able to have really meaningful conversations with lots of local councillors and being able to help them through the process. And, you know, our councillors, bless them, they've got so much on their plate, they've got so much to think about. And a lot of them were saying, I don't know the first thing about wee recycling or about vapes or about any of this stuff. Can you help me through? And actually, I think I've probably sat down with over 50 councillors for like hour long conversations. And the majority of them were the ones who either like put forward the motion or seconded the motion. And you just think, I mean, that is a true testament to why you do this kind of work. But maybe going back to the question Jane put, like, is there an end date? I think at one point I will probably put an end date to like having one to ones with counsellors or something just to be like, OK, you know, a lot of my time needs to go to something else. But I think you find the balance, but you also there's so much benefit even if you think I've no idea why like what benefit's going to come from this conversation you'd be so surprised that you know having a meeting with someone what what might you know end up happening from that and I think that that can be really beneficial. No I, I, absolutely you know it's a bit like us doing this podcast you know we're putting a time and commitment to this for, for no, no real the, there is no financial gain but I think the the, the sort of opportunities and the discussions that we've had from it have been have been really really positive and that's, that's you know probably more important than the, the actual financial gain side of it because I don't think I don't think there really is a financial gain to be had it's, it's, it's just you know raising awareness and what's next for you and your, your day job are you so you're actually doing a PhD at the moment yeah so I've got three and a bit years of well it's, it's like a funded thing so yeah. um, when I started I had four years of funding and so you don't want to go over that because then you're working for free um, so I've got three years sort of left and over that time I'll you know go from a lot of what I've been doing is the sort of literature review you know kind of absorbing myself in a lot of what's been going on but over the next two three years I'll be you know grinding myself in the research you know doing lots of interviews focus groups you know finding out lots of stuff on the ground and, and hopefully turning that into a thesis at the end and so that's certainly what I'll be doing for the next three years um, and that's the sort of day job and 
the campaigning stuff will evolve over that you know and I've got a really supportive supervision team who love all the stuff that I do around vapes and and campaigning and so you know it, it never feels like you know I'm having to to juggle them they they really appreciate the work that I do outside of the the, the project which is amazing. Wow you certainly haven't got a lot of time left have you when you were saying you were doing the um was it the half marathon you did in Edinburgh? I'm thinking, at what point did she train for this? Or was it just taking the dog for a walk and having a wee trot around? <laughs> exactly. God. I mean, yeah, my dog drags me around when I'm when I'm running. But you know, I mean, I think um I think I'm very, you know, even you know this weekend, you know, it got to I think like six o'clock on Saturday, and me and my partner didn't have any plans, and he's like you've got that look that you're bored what do you want to do and I think you know I do like you know immersing myself in and working and going to things you know which which keeps me motivated but um yeah I, but I think that's important to carve out that time you know and and sometimes having something like whether it's a half marathon or, or whatever it might be can actually be helpful because you're like okay I need to get out because in mm-hmm. eight weeks I'm going to be in Edinburgh and if I haven't trained this is going to be awful so you know make sure you, you get it in and I think that can be really helpful but I mean you guys talk about podcasts I mean I think the world of learning and knowledge and, and news is completely changed I get so much information from podcasts from like there's lots of news kind of channels that do podcasts on stories and you deep dive into them and there's ones like yourselves that are really kind of tailored to one industry or one topic and I love listening to them and so you know when I'm cleaning my house when I'm out for a run out for a walk like that's also my time to be learning and thinking and absorbing and so I also you know find that you can do a lot while you're doing two activities at once so go for a run oh you're multitasking Laura I love the multitasking (laughs) exactly perfect brilliant brilliant Uh, so so one we always ask every guest for for a bit of industry jargon or an acronym that either you like or loathe or 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 something probably vapes Laura I know oh I mean if we're going along the vape line a thing that I hate is when something is sold as disposable. So vapes are sold as disposable. And what does that mean? What is disposable? Because what we know now is actually they should absolutely not be thrown in the bin because that's a massive fire risk. They should absolutely not be put in your home recycling bins because the majority of people don't have electrical recycling available curbside. So by disposable, what they mean is this needs to go into we recycling. That's probably your local recycling centre. And so I think a piece of jargon that I would love for us to crack down on is how things are branded. You know, you cannot brand something as disposable if actually it's quite a complex process to, to get rid of it. Close second would be what we discussed earlier. Anything branded as compostable just makes my eyes roll <laughs> because it's probably not when when we throw it in the bin. Um but there's so much jargon. I can imagine you've probably got a wealth of, of people throwing different things at you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now we're going to give you a magic wand to sort one problem out. What would you <laughs> what would you like to sort it out on? Oh, I mean, I think it's I mean, it's got to be the campaign I'm working on now. You know, I can't, I can't give you something else. I don't know how I would how what what I would put in place though because I'd want it to be not just disposable vapes or banned I would want to magic wand some really robust electronic waste regulations like stuff that you can't get around 
there's no loopholes there's no silly little design changes you can make that sort of you know put it outside the bracket so I think that would be my magic wand would be you know really creating a set of electrical waste regulations that are robust and work for everyone um, so that we can really limit this fast growing part of the industry. Yeah, I like I like that one. I like uh, I like I, I like the you know the waste electricals. You know, we always had Scott Butler on, and he was sort of the size and scale of the problem. But I think it's it's what you were talking about earlier with the vapes. It's, you know, the reality is if you put a toaster in, it's not all getting recycled. It's, it's yeah. some of it is getting recycled, but there's other bits in there that are you know there's not hope in hell. You so I think this I think the the sector sort of imagines that. 100% of wee waste goes in for recycle and 100% gets recycled. The reality is it's nowhere close. I know. And I think we also need to be realistic here. So if Zurich's, you know, estimations are bang on, if 2 million vapes, so over 100 million vapes a year, suddenly start going to recycling facilities, can we even cope with that? Do we even know what to do with that? And so we need to be really realistic and say, and it's funny, you know, Scott has been part of the conversation around disposable vapes. Material Focus obviously don't support a full ban. But I think, you know, I strongly believe in recycling electronics. But I've got the realistic view that some electronics just shouldn't exist. And I think it's really important to kind of keep that in mind that, you know, the stuff that you get your TV in or, you know, we've banned it now, but, you know, like polystyrene, the big chunky foamy white polystyrene, technically that can be recycled. It's been proved that it can be recycled, yep. but nobody recycles it because it's so inefficient and it's just not, you know, it, it's absolutely ridiculous to, to even imagine that being set up. And I think the problem is we just aren't doing that with, with electronics. We're sort of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and say oh no it's an electronic we can definitely recycle it it's fine mm. without really thinking you know if we if we let this slip you know what else does this let in and suddenly we've got loads of disposable electronics on our hands so i think <laughs> i think we've run out of, of questions for you laura so so for, for, for me it's thank you very much for your time and and, and best wishes with your your campaign uh, which I, I do manage to I think I first spotted you on Twitter uh, not yeah. so long ago, actually, uh, and I like to keep I like to keep tabs on what you're up to on 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 Twitter. So the only problem is some poor man's try, is trying his best to wreck Twitter at the moment. So <laughs> it's, it's not quite the platform it used to be, but we'll see we'll see what happens there. Yeah, no, thanks thank very much for your time, Laura. And you know, three years time, give us a shout. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll be going, I'll be emailing everyone saying, right. Yeah, it's all about networks, Laura. It's all about who you know. know. There's uh, not about know. what you know, it's about who you know. Exactly. No, thank you so much. It's great to come on. And I recognise as an honorary waste industry, sort of got my toe yeah. in the water person. So thanks for, yeah, yeah for having me on. Perfect. Thank you.